Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is One on One with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is One on One with Jasper Cole. Howdy, everyone, and welcome to Season 10 premiere of One-on-One with Jasper Cole. I am coming to you live, quarantined in Palm Springs, California. It is a new day. It is a new president. It's a new administration. I feel like a hostage that's been released from, like, the Witness Protection Program. So it is a beautiful new day in America. Um, I'm so excited to be back. You know, we took a break for, like, Six weeks. Hope everyone had a great holiday, Christmas, New Year's. Although during the pandemic, is there really any difference? Really, it's like, oh, I ordered a different uh, restaurant for dinner for Christmas. Um, anyway, we're so happy to be back. Thank you guys for the ten seasons of me being on the air in some kind of variation of a show. But uh, this one, one on one with J Cole, for sure. Uh, started in 2015, and then five years prior, we did On the Set with Jasper Cole. But uh, regardless, please follow us on Facebook and also Twitter, and Instagram is uh, Jasper Cole Says, S-A-Y-S. You can go to the website, jaspercole.com, and there's a, a link for the show. Click on there and, you know, follow us. You can our shows are archived on iTunes and Stitcher and Spricker and iHeartRadio and Spotify. And a shout out to our host page, BS Podcast Network. This is going to be Breaking the News, episode 13. We have done 12 Breaking the News, and I can't think of a better time than right now, the day after the inauguration, to... Let's, you know, talk about all the shit that's happened in the last few months and moving forward. And I couldn't do this without two amazing co-hosts. And, of course, my trusted sidekick is always here, Mr. Ralph Cole Jr. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for us, feeling good. Hello, Jasper, thank you. Well, Ralph, how are you? Welcome back. It's been a a long time. It's been a little while. Everything is going fine. Rose and I are fine, gratefully, and we surge onward and upward with our new administration and our new optimism. It kind of sounded like you said with your new men- menstruation, but that's a whole other thing. That's a whole but other, yes, exactly. Speaking of menstruating, we also could not be here without our other amazing psychic, Erica Renee Davis. 
Hi. A menstrual blood. Little menstrual blood has never hurt anybody. So hey, Listen, I'm glad we're you talking know openly here. Having, I mean, since we are here to celebrate the first female Blasian vice president, uh, Miss Kamala, not Kamala, Kamala Harris. Uh, I Thanks. mean, listen, I mean, we, the three of us, both, you know, privately and on the shows, have we've we've suffered through the last four and a half five years. So, um, what do you think, Erica? We did it. Uh, we. Like like Kamala says, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> I oh love that soundbite of her. Um, I know. You know, I just am overcome. First of all, hello to all the listeners out there. Thank you for being here Aww. for today's episode. And, of course, Ralph, hello to you, my beautiful friend. And Erica, Jasper, thank you for having me. you, my darling friend. Thank you. Um, I just feel this huge wave sense of, overwhelming relief and Mm. as far as Kamala being you know the first black woman the first woman the first black person elected to um the vice presidential office I'm just I just couldn't be even I couldn't be prouder and then additionally I have to always talk about this she's a member of my sorority Mm -hmm. Alpha, Alpha Sorority Incorporated so it's it's just it's it's completely poetic because um for those of you who are listening who are not familiar Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated is the very first black Greek letter sorority in the United States. And she actually pledged at the very first chapter on the campus of Howard University. So not only is AKA the first black sorority in the United States and in the world, she also comes from the chapter that founded our organization. So oh, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that, yeah. that she was from the founding chapter. That's even more impressive. Yeah. It really is. And in the Greek world, in the black Greek world, everything that we do is in order. Now, granted, it was just completely serendipitous that she would come from the alpha chapter. But in, again, like we do everything in order. Like when you, when we pledge, like you, you do everything by height, everything by seniority. When you have, you know, your big sisters, you address them in the order that they pledge and so on and so forth. So to have a, a black woman in the office to come from the first from the first Greek letter organization that's for women and from the first chapter that was founded. It's just, we're losing, we're, we're losing our shit. We're, we're just. So oh bad. my God. Oh wow. Get out your batons and twirl. I'm going to get mine out right now for that very reason. Well, yeah, it was, you know, I mean, I'm sure it just, it, 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 here's what I will say. I was so glad that, um, all these crazy events in the last, you know, six weeks leading up to this did not take away from it because honestly, since November 3rd and the whole shit show of, you know, not con- Trump not conceding and all that, I, I, I just kept thinking, God, I, I, I don't want the magnitude of this election of the fact that we have, you know, the first female black vice president to be kind of watered down. You know what I mean? I sort of, but I, I felt like, um, I felt like Trump was forgotten yesterday and it was just Mm -hmm. a beautiful day of celebrating, you know, of, of this new beginning. I I agree with you. And I have to, I'm, I'm very guilty of this and Ralph and Jasper, you guys tell me if you guys did the same, but I got up early to watch Trump leave. So on the West coast, we were on the West coast on the West Coast, it was about 5 in the morning here 
when he started making his he started his departure from the White House in about 5:30 a.m. when he finally got to Andrew, um, Andrews Joint Air Force Base. But as as over him as I am, I needed to I needed that confirmation. I needed to see him get the hell out of Dodge. Mm. And I didn't watch the inauguration um, 2017 when he um, came Mm-mm. into office. Me me either. I didn't, no didn't watch it. Could, couldn't stomach it, but I made sure I got my black ass up early to watch it. Your dad. skinny black ass up, honey. Go. You might as well be a poet too, girl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have my, to tell my, you. My very fit black ass. Well, I got that, up and I but, watched it. Well, to your point, though, I did the opposite. I purposely, which I'm actually glad to hear your take on it. I did the opposite. You know, I just did not want to see his face on the day of the inauguration, but I totally get, I understand what you're saying. Cause yeah, part of me could, could see it that way as well. Like you need to physically see him in that cold bitch of his get on that plane and fly away. But I just didn't want any, you know, any remembrance of him to take away from the day. But what I want, I kind of wanted to back up a little because, you know, it's, we haven't been together since, I mean, we can. We all know what happened after the election, and he wouldn't concede. And then you have, uh, you know, all these other uh, Republicans that were going along with the lie. And I mean, we could. That's one thing. But I want to jump off. I want the jumping off point to just start on January sixth mm. at the insurgent. What happened at the the Capitol? Because everything. I mean, it was a culmination, obviously, of five years. It was really a culmination of, like, the last, you know, 12 years probably. But you know what I'm saying. Um, But I felt like, for sure, it was completely the result of the denying the election, you know, not conceding, saying that it was a lie. And we were all kind of on pins and needles already being, you know, thinking that something was going to happen. And I was caught off guard because I actually had sort of um, come to the point that, oh, they're just babies. They're not really going to do anything. But for mm-hmm. me, when that happened, everything changed for me. Like I snapped and I was really just PTSD from it. And I was concerned from the sixth until yesterday that this inauguration was going to happen. Yeah, I the one thing that I can say and to your point, Jasper, about saying that this is a culmination of the past twelve years, I'll take you even back further. I'll say this is a that was a culmination of the country on which we were founded. Mm, that mm-hmm. what we saw on January sixth is a, a direct result of us as a nation never really facing full on our history of slave peoples and marginalized people and building off the backs of those who are poor and giving to the rich and continually taking from the poor. But of course it was definitely, it's definitely been exacerbated in the Trump administration. And then of course, having a black man as a president was mm-hmm. a trigger for all right. the white supremacists. Um, but to watch it and to see the kinds of people who got arrested a, for me, it was valid, not just for me, for, for, for people who are progressive and for people who are forward-thinking, for, to see the firefighters and the former military and the active-duty mm. um, police officers and the elected officials 
and the Beverly Hills Bettys and the models and the salon owners and the real estate agent from Texas who flew on a private jet to see all those oh. people who got arrested, validated yeah. what we have been saying for years that the Trump administration was not about economic anxiety mm-hmm. and and people who support his policies span the range of hillbilly in a trailer park to upper echelon, cream of the crop, so to speak, um, rich, upstanding citizen of society. They're, and, and that group of people, I think the common denominator we saw from January 6th was not economic anxiety. It was a wanting to hold on to white supremacy. White, white power. White power and the fear, like Pompeo said in his outgoing statement, the fear of multiculturalism. And that yep. is validating, but it's so freaking sad. Yeah. Ralph, how about you? Were you watching? Did you watch it? Because um, I think it's interesting. There, it was. I think it was a different experience if you got to watch. And I, mean, I don't mean got to. Like it was a... <laughs> Like it was an exciting thing, but if you saw it live as opposed to like seeing it after the fact, did you see it live, mm-hmm. Ralph? Or I, I saw it after the fact, and my reactions were that it, as horrific as it all was, it was clear that it was an inside job, and because mm-hmm. the president had been speaking in December saying it's going to be a wild day, come on down. And we all know that he instigated and incited all of this. It, to me, it was like watching the world trade center collapse. I was disbelieved watching it. Like, I cannot believe this is actually happening now. And to your point, Erica, it's just like we're witnessing all these we get to witness what's happening. It's the same thing why you, you said this is on the backs of slavery, mm-hmm. what rioting was. And, but now people are, are seeing it firsthand and, and are dealing with it. And, mm-hmm. and George Floyd was a, 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 an enzyme for that to, to help that mm-hmm. cause mm-hmm. because we all had to watch and, we as Americans have had to watch several things fairly recently that we've never had to do before. We, we saw a, a man, a human being, get murdered on yeah. television. We yeah. saw a, a deadly global pandemic that was, was known about way before it came be ignored and, and seeing – everybody around you and people that you knew getting sick and dying. And we've seen a political government so such a liar about being pro-democracy mm. when they are not. We have all had to just watch so many horrific things that this riot, as sickening as it was, and I am in no way defending this riot at all, but by seeing how the police were reacting and how they were a- the rioters were able to sashay into yep. the mm-hmm. the building and jump out of windows for dramatics not really for realism um to see um to see some of these rioter players that they were friendly with Giuliani and with people and with mm-hmm. Trump's family, when you see mm-hmm. all of that, 
then you know it's staged. Yes, I hear the former chief of police for the Capitol Police say, well, when we are outnumbered like that, it's best for the police force to just let the attackers do their thing because they are outnumbered. So, yeah, that makes sense when you're not prepared. But why weren't you prepared? Right. Well, right. They were, to your point, which is now going to come out, but they were not prepared because the president, who's really the only one that can either stop a National Guard or request a National Guard. So we know Mm -hmm. that between Michael Flynn and all the other uh, people that worked for Trump, this was in works for weeks and weeks. I think this was in planning uh, probably a week after he lost the election. Um, Mm -hmm. And now we're we're starting to see that's all going to come out. Um, You know, we're starting to see uh, there's going to be indictments. There's apparently – lawmakers that they know the FBI now knows who they are. And I guarantee you that Marjorie Taylor green, that QAnon nut job from Georgia and, and the, the uh, uh, Burbad or whatever from Colorado, that other woman, freshman Mm -hmm. Senator, I guarantee you they were the ones or their staff were the ones giving the two Congresswoman. Yeah. Um, She's from Colorado. Mm-hmm. She, I, they, you know, Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz mm-hmm. in the Senate, because we know we've heard now that there were capital tour, there were tours being given the day before yeah. the, you know, and there were no, there's been no tours since COVID. So right. I think it, that's all going to come out. And I, I heard today as well that seven Democrats have filed um, ethics complaints to try to have any of these people involved removed from the house or the Senate. But I guess, I guess I, I think you're right. I think, you know, in a strange kind of way, the starting with the George Floyd, you know, mm. and COVID, it's interesting that it took death, horrendous deaths to wake mm-hmm. up America. And once again, we owe, we owe it all to the African American community, especially black women. Um, and, you know, Stacey Abrams in Georgia. And, you know, Stacey Abrams did her outreach went nationwide as well. But it's yeah. it's not ironic to me that we were able to finally get rid of a virus because enough people and especially people of color came out and voted mm-hmm. or, or, you know, mailed in their ballots. Hmm. That's what you mean right. by waking up America. Yeah, but well, and then, you know, mean, Black America. It's just ironic that, you know, we we we're really like right back. I mean, like Martin Luther King Day on Monday. It's like we are, we're just right back where we started in so many ways, and it it's just astounding to me. Like when we were watching the Capitol, but you know, the difference is they were all I, I I didn't see a black or a brown face. Maybe there were, but all I saw were angry entitled white people who just can't believe that they're not in the majority anymore and they don't know how to handle it. And, and I do want to, I mean, I do have to say this because there were a couple of black faces that I, that I saw in there. I'm always flabbergasted and somewhat Mm -hmm. confused when I see a black face among the, um, the, the Trumpsters. I mean, 
and please understand for anyone who's everyone who's listening. I, I I think we said this before at nauseum on on this show. There, I had no issue with anyone being Republican, Black Republican, nope. White. Mm-mm. My issue is Republicanism. Never has been. I'm from South Georgia. Most of my friends growing up, most of my white girlfriends were Republicans. Whatever, whatever fucking floats your boat. So my issue is not that. My issue is this cult of personality worship that Trumpism is. And Trumpism, to me now, is Republican Party, but it's not what it's always been. So with that being said, when I see black people um, participating in the riots or the Trump rallies, I'm always confused because Republicanism is was not Trumpism. Trumpism, at the core, I believe, is not only white supremacy, but it's also continually keeping down people who are not of the elite class. The mm-hmm. rallies are called as like these tailgate celebrations that you would see like on any Saturday down south at a football game. But that's not really what the message is. The message is hate. The message is division. The message is anything that's anti-white is not right. So there were a few black folks in there. I don't know what they were doing there, honestly. Like, <laughs> at, I, I don't know. Like, who who hurt your feelings or I don't know. So, well, you know, yeah. it's 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 almost like and so it's amazing because I have a family member that I was fighting with about this and you know, he wanted to keep equating the the um the riots in Portland, you know, to the Capitol and I kept going I mean, there's no comparison. I mean this is this is a national this is our treasured you know, place in Washington. And I guess I guess what I would say is, um, along with the white supremacy, we've got 74-plus million people who are perfectly fine to lie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. blatantly know that, know that what they're saying is a lie. And it's almost like when people say O.J. Simpson really believes he didn't kill Nicole and Ron Goldman, like – Mm-hmm. They 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 brainwashed their own self themselves to believe mm-hmm. that the election was rigged and that it didn't really you know and it's one thing that it's one thing to say oh well the voters think that but then when you have other represent you have politicians agreeing with them and they know good and well that it's a lie. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's frustrating because. In one sense, if you want to believe that the election was rigged, people who who have been brainwashed to believe that want to cite the the very very infrequent incidents of voter fraud because as people we are not perfect and any system does have its flaws. You know, mm-hmm. so you know I think that you know in Georgia even the Secretary of State and the the elections commissioners did say, oh, yeah, we found a couple, a couple right. incidents, you know, maybe three or four incidents. I might be off by a couple of numbers, but there were, there were less than a couple of handfuls of incidents of voter fraud in Georgia. I'm picking Georgia because that was one of the states, of course, mm-hmm. that Trump wanted um, to contest. So in, in an imperfect system with imperfect people, there are always going to be cases of people trying to get over. But as far as this claim of widespread voter fraud, there was no widespread spread voter fraud. And so, yes, it's one thing for a regular Joe Schmo to believe it, but to have those beliefs be validated mm-hmm. by elected officials is dangerous and it's and it's really unfair. It's 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 unfair to for progress and it's unfair to the millions of people who did vote 
and who did participate in a fair and free election is saying that, oh, you know, what you guys did should be completely undermined. And then additionally, people who are, who are siding with this whole election fraud thing, has no one stopped to ask themselves, why is it that the only state that Trump was contesting was the state <laughs> that he lost? Like, that's right. That, that is, that's horsemanship one-on-one. I think about, <laughs> do these people have kids? Like, do your kids participate in sports? And if they do, what, what is how you are behaving teaching your kids about losing? Because you're being right. a shitty example of a parent, of a role model to your kids if you are acting like this because your guy lost. You cannot expect for your children to be any better in their adult years than you are now having a tantrum over Hitler. Well, that's what's, that's what's scary is because you see – we've seen children of these people at rallies and stuff, and, you know, they, they only believe what their parents believe, and it's frightening. And I always say, you know, they keep saying, like, well, 74 million people voted for him. Well, you know, millions of people liked Hitler also. In the beginning, yeah. until they until they didn't, you know what I mean. Yeah. So just, that's like saying, well, there's 74 million people cut off people's legs, and well, we only cut their arms off. I'm like, what? Like it's so it's so de- depressing. It was so depressing. But here's the thing: now we were we basically have de- domestic terrorists um, right in our own government. I mean, I consider Marjorie Taylor Greene a domestic terrorist from Georgia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's a QAnon mm-hmm. supporter. And like I said, this woman from Colorado, and there's 140-plus you know, uh, House members who voted to not certify the electoral votes. Knowing good and well, they still know good and well that they, that they, were, they were legitimate votes. So mm-hmm. Biden's, you know, when people talk about Biden's challenge going in well it's it's not going to be easy but we prove we've proven that we outnumber registered Democrats outnumber registered Republicans it's a mathematical equation if mm-hmm. if if the majority of Democrats will come out and vote we will win every time because we 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 have more, and you know, back to 2016, um, I had people tell me, "Well, you guys didn't accept it and move on." Uh, yeah, we did. I think the big yeah. devastation for a lot of us in 2016 is we found out how many people didn't actually vote in that election. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and we found out quickly. Oh wow, Hillary didn't go to some of these. Rust Belt states yeah. like should have. We we tried to start looking at what Democrats did wrong rather than denying that. I mean, were we happy that he won? No. And the only other thing I'll say about that, the Russian interference stuff, the chatter that happened in 2016, let's not forget that was coming from Trump's own defense yeah. department. You know, mm-hmm. there was nobody now in in his orbit in, you know, nobody was, nobody is saying that the election was rigged this time from a legitimate source like they did in 2016. I I would like to believe you guys that of course, no administration since the beginning of time has ever had it easy. That would be called utopia. So every Mm -hmm. president has had some fucked up issue issues 
to deal with. What I would like to believe is by having a president, by having our current president, it will hopefully dissipate a lot of the anger and violence. It's never going to eradicate it because if that were the case, Mm -hmm. why didn't Obama do it? Why didn't Clinton do it? Lyndon Bain Johnson, you know, you could go down the list. Why has there always been murder? I mean, like, like you said, Jasper, you know, we're back to the beginning. I don't think that we're back to the beginning with Martin Luther King because we have had a black male president and now a black female vice president. So we're Mm -hmm. not that, that far I know what you're saying. Uh, it's still the same basic landscape, but we have made some progress. Mm-hmm. I feel that when, if you have a person like Obama versus a person like our former president at the helm, there's just a layer of civility and calmness with Obama. Mm-hmm. And I feel that we're going to have and, – and, and what I'm trying to say, you guys, is that these horrible, hateful people will still be that way. And I'm not saying that because Biden is our president, they're going to be like, hey, guys, you know what? Instead of doing that, let's go over to the you know, the mall. <laughs> no. I'm not saying that. No, but, yeah. I feel, but I do feel that things are not going to be as fueled because you don't have somebody at the helm yeah. telling you to do it. Right. And well, did, I, have you noticed? Did you guys notice just how much calmer it was the the week and a half that he didn't have Twitter, that Trump oh. didn't have Twitter? I mean, already, and and you know, a lot of it is up to the mainstream media to stick to their pledge that they're not going to cover Trump after he leaves office. Now, which brings me up to our next topic of impeachment, because you know we had. Wednesday was the insurgent, and then the following Wednesday was the impeachment. Um, and part of my thing about impeachment was, okay, of course I want him to be held accountable, but again, it's going to keep his name, you know, in the spotlight again as we start the new administration. I mean, ultimately, yes, I want him to be convicted, and I I do want him to not have to to not be able to run for office again, but. It's kind of like I kind of just wanted him to go away and no one mention his name again. What do you guys think about – Erica, what do you think about the impeachment situation? Uh, so I definitely want him – I definitely want the trial to to go forward. Um, I saw that today Mitch McConnell is asking that it be delayed until mid-February. And what that delay looks like, I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. with, like, with that in mind – I almost wouldn't. I almost wouldn't mind it being delayed until mid-February, if if that becomes a bargaining chip to Republicans for them to be a little bit more compromising with some of the aggressive policies that Biden is Biden is trying to push through. I do mm-hmm. feel that if we go full throttle, balls to the wall, impeachment right away, then that will be a distraction. Although, as an elected official, as a lawmaker, you should be able to simultaneously juggle an impeachment trial and, you know, appointment um, hearings, whatever. But that's just not the way the world works. So with that in mind, yes, to answer the question, I do want to, um, the impeachment to proceed, and I don't mind it being pushed back a few weeks. But with it being pushed back a few weeks, I think that as people, as humans, we are typically, we have a very short attention span. Yep. So even mm-hmm. of who progressives who want 
Donald Trump or the Republicans who voted for impeachment, even people like us, in a month from now, we're going to be a little bit over it. So, right. That was my concern. Is, that was my concern. That's a really yeah. big concern to me. But but I I want to err on the side of accountability. I think that one thing that people in power, particularly white men in power, for hundreds of years have continually gotten away with is not having to be held accountable for their actions, whether it's this week or in a month from now. And I think it continues to set a very negative precedent precedent to let Donald Trump get away with something else, even though he's not in office anymore, and even though it might not have the same impact that you know would have had he still been. I, I think that I think that we have to start like put, putting the gauntlet down somewhere, and and I don't think it's just a white man in power problem. I think it's a and Grant guys like this is not me ragging on white people because I don't. Oh, want I to I do I do. Okay. You know why? Let me let me say this. No, you don't have to. You know what? I guess I know it's different if you're a black person doing it. But as a white person, fuck fuck these white people right now. I'll rag on them. They need to be ragged on. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like they're the problem. So I'll rag on them for you. Yes. I thank, thank you for that tag team because I know that sometimes more conservative listeners, for example, we had a caller who called in about a month or two ago when we did our last show about politics and he was, you know, very angry and was like, oh, these kinds of, you know, these kinds of injustices don't exist on the same level that you're trying to articulate, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they yeah. do. And, and I think that, that Biden in his, in his inaugural, inaugural address made a very good point. Or maybe it was the night that they went to the, the, um, the reflecting pool and honored or honor or memorialize the the COVID, the COVID um, victims. He talked about how it's difficult to move on, but you have to look at your past and heal from the past to move on. And that's what I look at when it comes to our country. Like we have to look at our past. We have to look at how we got to where we are. We have to look at the power constructs of this country and heal from that really properly before we can actually move on. I feel like we haven't done that collectively. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. And so saying all that in a long-winded way to say Donald Trump's ass does need to be held accountable with an impeachment, whether it's this week or whether it's in February. Well, again, and I, my, I agree with you. You know, what I was liking about what was happening is I felt like in the last week leading up to the inauguration, the more videos came out, you know, the more inside the Capitol stories came out, I felt like it was it was so right and right the nerve endings were so right there that I think we had a better chance of some of those senators from the Republican side to to feel like oh my god how could I not vote for impeachment but like you said once they get in now Trump is gone we're not hearing from him you know mm-hmm. time settles in and I wonder if they if they get complacent and they kind of forget about that and they go back to you know, wanting to toe the line or whatever. But the good news is, guys, he left office with no pardon. So he is up for so many potential federal indictments and state indictments. So he is going to get prosecuted one way or the other. Um, he He's definitely going to have to face the New York's, you know, district 
courts for tax, all of the family tax stuff. The, the D.C. Attorney General is filing charges because of the inciting the violence and the riots, and that's, that's nothing to do with impeachment. The Georgia Attorney General is also contemplating filing charges for that phone call he made to the Secretary of State asking him to, you know, remember, I just need 11,000 votes. I just, yeah, I just need eleven thousand votes, guys. Give me a yeah. So that's a that's a crime, right there. And then there's multitudes yeah. of you know rape charges. So the best thing he did was leave office without any pardons because he's left himself wide open. But then I've always said I don't think he's going to stay in the country that that long. I think as as the heat comes down on him, he's going to flee the country and go outside the country. I I I I have no prediction. What because honestly, he as predictable as he is now that he's out of office, I I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed here. I wouldn't be surprised if he tried to flee the country. I, who 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 at this point knows? But I'll ride with your prediction of him fleeing the country. That I, that, that is very plausible. <laughs> Ralph, what do you Ralph, what do you say? Do you think he's going? Do you think the odds are he'll 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 definitely get indicted on something? Well, he just has to, you guys, because I, I you know, I always use the word naive about some of my um, conclusions. Yeah, we we don't really buy that anymore. Right. So. But what I'm trying to say is this man has been guilty of so many crimes and he gets away with everything. When is that going to stop? You know, even with, you know, thanks to Erica learning more about politics and the structure of our government, just things like Pelosi telling Pence either in either instigates the fourth point of the 25th Amendment or if not, we are going to start impeachment proceedings. It's like the content, it, 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 it's always this ping pong game. It's like you have this maniacal person that has done and is doing really bad things. End it now. You know, you have to keep having all these deliberations and caucuses and meetings about things. I mean, well, he can't go to New York. I mean, wouldn't he? No. Be, you know, wh- where is he ever going to be? Able so, he's to in, so he's in Florida and Mar-a-Lago, but. You know, guys, and Erica, you might know the details better, but he he passed some law while he was in office that prevents a club or hotels to become permanent residents, and somehow that was a benefit to him because of his hotels. Well, that very law is now biting him in the ass because he wants to live at Mar-a-Lago, but you know, Mar-a-Lago is a is a private club where people pay money. So, so he's not even legally supposed to be making that a residence. So that has and, come back and that's to where He escaped to the other day. So I wonder yeah. how again comes back comes back to accountability. I remember the residents of Mar-a-Lago before or after the election, after he lost for the one hundredth time, were vocal saying that they were going to hold him to that that mm-hmm. law that rule. But here we are, you know, a day a day post inauguration, and as far as we know, that's where he and Melania still are. So where is the accountability? Like Trump and the and his ilk continue to get away with whatever they want to historically right. and and presently. So from him being kicked out of Mar-a-Lago to him being held um, for his account for by Congress for his most recent impeachment, I, I, I think that 
every in the AG in New York, I think that every single avenue that will hold him accountable from lawsuits to to, to fines to civil lawsuits to being kicked out of Mar a Lago, I think all systems need to go. He has to be made an example of that. Now right. let me now I will say it's a, I, I they made Bill Cosby an example, Erica, so they need to they do it to this idiot, okay? Yeah. Well yeah. here here's what I will say. If I don't know if you guys watch Mary Trump Denise, you know, she's CNN uses her as a pundit. You know, she wrote the book about mm-hmm. Trump and she's a therapist. And she has been saying all along that this is really the first consequence. Losing mm-hmm. and not being able to cheat his way out of it is probably the biggest blow that he's ever gotten in his life. Because this is really the first time at 74 years old that he's act- no one was able to come in and rescue him. And he always had Roy Cohn, he had Michael Cohen, he had, and he tried, you know, you, he did not really think he was going to have to leave. So mm. it, is a real, it is a real reckoning for his psyche that he lost and there was nothing he could do about it to change it. So in a way, getting him out and impeaching him and his brand is 100% dead I mean, mm-hmm. the world worldwide, it's dead. You know, uh, Ivanka's brand is is dead. Jared is dead. I, I read that Jared was reaching out to Holly people in Hollywood, trying to secure positions for some of the staff members. And of course, mm-hmm. nobody nobody in Hollywood would even take their calls. It was like, uh, no, no, thank you. Because trust and believe, I want to see them go down as well. I want to see Ivanka, Jared, Eric, his ridiculously gorgeous and stupid wife, Laura Trump go down um, and Stephen Miller, you know, all the people that were behind, take Kaylee McEnany down with him also, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, because, but again, that can all happen now after the fact that he's out. I was more concerned that he was going to try to pull this bullshit of self pardoning and also maybe trying to, Pardon preemptively pardon his family, Giuliani. So clearly that didn't work for him. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. So yeah. So we went from impeachment, and then can you believe it was like literally Wednesday, 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 and it perfectly lined up to the inauguration. You know, and then you know this was the other thing leading up to the inauguration. All of a sudden, the Capitol then looks like a third world country, right? I mean, D.C. Yeah. looked like a war zone. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when he in his farewell gr- speech the other night, Trump actually had the audacity to say, well, I'm very pr- proud of the fact that we did not my administration engaged in no war. And it's like, could you look outside the window? You're there's like domestic <laughs> war going on right outside your window, you dumbass. But, you know, yeah. he's thinking and in many ways. I think the domestic war is worse than the foreign war in many ways because it's right here on our right in our yeah. face. I homegrown, uh, I, homegrown domestic terrorism. Terrorism. So yeah, I'm right there with you. I agree. It's it's worse. Yeah, and so I bet that was horrifying because then, of course, right up till yesterday morning, you know, I kept thinking, what is he going to do? Like they kept threatening they were going to do something else, and. So then, you know, like you, I made a point to get up at 
6.30 because I wanted to make sure I, and I was T-boning it anyway, but wanted to make sure I started watching everything. And I mean, even with COVID, even with, you know, limited amount of, of people being able to be there, um, I thought it was a victorious moment for the country to say, you know, we're going to still do it. Um, I think this time, this one in particular meant more than probably so many in the past because I, I tell people all the time, guys, we literally almost became a dictatorship. I mean, if we yeah. if he had if he had won the election, what we saw at the Capitol would have been in reverse. But those people would have been attacking our banks, our homes, our industries. That's what a dictatorship does. Mm. And and so that kind of writing that was what that's what happened in Venezuela and other countries is, but the, the difference is it takes the majority of the people to overthrow the government, but let's not get it twisted. He got over 74 million votes right. with, your, with his record. With his, with his record. And that is really scary. And it's sad because those 74 million people live among us. Like those are our doctors and our, you know, lawyers and our police officers and our firefighters and our teachers of our kids and, you, and of our your gynecologist to bring up menstruation again. Go on. Of well, course. But, but, thank, but honestly, thank you for that because I'm actually like I'm changing insurance and I'm looking for new doctors. And I have I, mean, I always prefer to find a black doctor anyway, because as a black woman in America, statistics and studies have shown throughout history that we oftentimes get slighted in the healthcare system when we are at the hands of white male doctors. So I actively always look for black doctors, but now I'm like, I I need everybody. I need my, my PCP to be black. I need my gynecologist. I need everybody to be black, especially knowing that the, everyone feels or people who are on that side feel more emboldened to, um, to, to stand in their bigotry. Well, let me take it. Let me take it one step further. I, I actually will not, if I find out somebody was or is a Trump supporter, they won't get a dime of my money. They won't get any of my business. If I found out tomorrow that my doctor supported Trump out, bye-bye. I don't care how much I love her, how much I like her, because for me, in my personal opinion, if you could still support Trump, today then there is something really flawed in your character and in your Mm -hmm. entire makeup it's no longer about agreeing to disagree with policies it is a genetic it is something about your moral ethical makeup that i want nothing to do with well that's what erica said earlier it's trumpism versus republicanism and there's a difference Right. And that's what I'm saying. But, yeah. but even going forward, looking back, if I find out somebody that I'm giving my money to or trusting something with that they were that they are were for me, just the fact they were is bad enough. But if I find out they still would, you know, would support him, I, I can't I, listen. Choices have consequences. They have that right as an American to to do that, but that I have the same right to use that choice against them and say, I, I, agree. I can't give you my business. I can't. And, and I want to just commend the Biden-Harris administration and all the organizers for uh, pulling off an inauguration 
that we were not sure we were going to be able to enjoy and have. Um, I was very nervous about the the ceremony and the traditions taking place outside, but oh, yeah. I really I admire their commitment to safety, even though it looked like a war zone. But you know, <coughs> when in Rome, do what you got to do. But I admire Biden's commitment to proceeding with having the traditional ceremony as much as you could with COVID and an insurrection, mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. it outside. I think it gave, at least it gave me a sense of pomp and circumstance that felt normal. It felt right. It felt, you know, like it felt like America. And I know that with the new administration, all of the woes of yesteryear are not going to be automatically swept away. Like it, it, Biden and Harris are not, superheroes in the literal sense. So it's going to take the work of our elected officials. It's going to take us holding one another accountable. It's going to take us to, you know, vote in midterms and, and, you know, knock on doors and donate all those things we've been doing. But yesterday felt good to see them take a stance and take a stand and continue to have those traditions outside and to not cower of domestic terrorism. I appreciated that so much. And it was refreshing and it gave me hope and optimism for a new administration and new a new Robert Kennedy did the same thing Erica he he felt that way too he didn't cower down well mm-hmm. i also as you're watching yesterday just just knowing that literally 2 weeks prior you know what was happening on that those very steps you know it was so ominous it was ominous but victorious at the same time you know it, so i'm yeah. so glad too because i was i was initially posting things about let's just do it in a secret undisclosed location and but i i see now i see now that would have really been given into the uh terrorists you know that would have been given them power they don't deserve and um, I just have to say, once again, it's always the women that ha- that are the smartest. I mean, people can love or hate Nancy Pelosi, but, you know, I, I don't have one ounce of her energy. You know, this woman, I don't know when she sleeps. I don't know when they when they eat. I don't know when they go to the bathroom. Like, how does how do these people have any lives, you know, any time outside of eating and breathing politics? But. Just knowing that there's strong females in the mix now, I feel so much mm-hmm. better. Um, and I pray that I pray that Biden will step down before the end of his term for one reason only. I want him to I want us to have a female black president regardless. I, I can't mm-hmm. trust that she's gonna be reelected. So right. I would just like to at least be able to say in history, we had the black female president and that would happen if he, if he steps down like three years from now or whatever. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I don't think he needs to, or I, I don't, I think he'll be fine, but um, that would be a nice. And I, and I also want to immediately start packing, packing the Supreme court and start bringing that back up to balance because um, that's way out of whack. So but back to the inauguration. So on a, on a more shallow note, yeah, let's talk about like, yeah, I thought everyone looked great. I know the 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 designer that um, that Kamala wore is some new up and coming designer, right, Erica? Somebody that's not as well known. Yeah, she wore two designers. Their names both escaped me, but one is um, from South Carolina, one is from Louisiana. Two 
um, black designers, and she was taking a page out of Michelle Obama's book, which is mm-hmm. Michelle Obama oftentimes used lesser known, not always black, but lesser known, you know, um, black, Latin X, LGBTQ designers whose names were not in the mainstream and give them a platform. Um, so, yeah, I thought that, um, and I, I didn't, I didn't love what, you know, Kamala's um, ensemble, I mean, I didn't hate it, but yeah. I do love the sentiment, you know, I, I, I like that she did. I like that she was giving voices to um, those, those mm-hmm. unsung fashion Well, roles. and do you, do you guys feel also, you know, I think we talked about during the primaries, you know, I think, um, she was having a little bit of the Hillary Clinton problem, which is which is yeah. what unfortunately women get faced with. That in order mm-hmm. to be taken serious, she would never show her fun side or her funny side. And I felt like in the last three months or two months or since the election, or really during the um, the debates and stuff, we got to finally see how what a just like fun person she seems to be and she and Doug her husband and his kids and I thought I thought there's this this radiance about her now that we we get to see a full picture of of who she might actually be which is nice well one thing I'd like to direct you then to that point Jasper you know after a while you know watching all the ceremonial pomp and circumstance it's like okay let's look at something else and I watched Kamala cooking in her kitchen and oh. to your point, she's so radiant. She's so much fun. I feel like I know her. Like she'd be the uh-huh. kind of person. I, we can't do this now because of COVID. But she'd be the like me and Wendy O'Brien. Like I would immediately be hugging her, and we'd right. be having so much fun. And there's a segment with her and Mindy Kaling because they both share an Indian heritage of them cooking a meal together, and it was just so fun to watch our vice president just be down home just you know mm-hmm. like I'm cutting the celery and I am tying up this chicken and I let it sit in which I learned a fact because I made her dressing for Rose and myself um, for Christmas but she puts that chicken to Rose before she roasts her chicken she ties that up and stuffs it with parsley and what have you and lets it sit in the refrigerator overnight Erica so that bitch is even crispier when you roast it girl uh-huh. Well, you're talking to two people that don't cook, Ralph. So. Oh, I cook, Jasper. See for yourself. You cook? Oh my God, Jasper! Yes, I am a cook. I've never heard you talk about cooking. Now, see, there's a whole other side to to Erica that we didn't know about. I cook dressing. I cook macaroni and cheese. I cook for for Christmas. I did a huge seafood mac and cheese. I cook black and. Salmon. I cook cabbage and squash and okra. I I cook. Oh, okay. Well, that and salmon sounds good. Because I made some salmon the other day on the grill, wrapped up in foil, and um, the skin got a little black. And oh my god, that was so succulent, good. (laughs) I want to bring up since we're talking about the inauguration, Amanda Gorman. Is she the? Oh my god. Well, I have to say, yeah. she reminded me of a baby Erica. She reminded Aww. me of a little, a little baby Erica in many ways. Um, I understand and, and, why you say that. Yeah, but, but Erica, now you, now you were aware of her, right? I was. I, I knew she was a, a, a young um, poet laureate, so I, I knew I knew of her. I knew I didn't. I wasn't very familiar with her work. I didn't know her story. Didn't realize that she was from L.A. until yesterday. Either. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, very, very aware of her from, but at a distance. But now, <laughs> oh, upset. Upset. well, apparently she was she burst. She got known at fourteen or thirteen. She had a moment, I guess, at thirteen or fourteen. But J- Dr. Biden, First Lady Biden, is the one who actually. I don't want to say rediscovered her, but she's the reason she was there yesterday. It's because she was um, fierce. Yeah, she was referred. She heard about her, and then she went to see one of her readings, I guess, and that's mm-hmm. how she was invited to participate. And then I got to see this amazing interview with Anderson Cooper did with her. Yes. Last- did you see that? And there you got to see like the real twenty-two-year-old, you know. But yet she talked about, you know, she had a speech impediment growing up and and that was something she has in common with Biden and the way she got over her speech impediment was obviously oratory you know to start mm-hmm. speaking and she had a real problem with the r's in particular the letter r and so mm-hmm. uh the the musical hamilton was a big influence for her and i guess in her poet uh poem yesterday that she had several two or three hamilton Phrases. Um, yes, she does. Yes, and then of course Lynn Manuel has already reached out to her, but she was so adorable with Anderson Cooper, and Anderson was a lot like I think some of us. You know, he was honest to say, "Well, I, you know, I'm not really, I don't know that much about poetry, and tell me how this." Because she was saying that um, she doesn't think visual at all when she's putting a poem together. She only thinks about the words, and mm-hmm. so she she went to Twitter. And Instagram, and that's where she gets a lot of her inspiration is reading people's comments on mm-hmm. situations. And she had a whole different kind of poem going up until the the riots on the 6th. And then she kind of had to sort of re, reframe. Um, and that was fascinating how she pulls from po- modern day what's happening, pop culture you know, ripped from the headlines. Oh my God. I mean, watch, she'll be in deadline tomorrow. She'll be signed with CAA and, you know. Well, she, she got a tweet from Hillary Clinton too. But the reason why she, we, we are reminded of you, Erica, is because you're both so articulate. And yes. she, in the interview with Anderson, she's so pleasant and very, very articulate about, you know, how she conjured the poem and what you just said, Jasper. So, um, it's a testament to both of you and both dark-skinned black women that are really listening. Yes, yes. Good point, Ralph. Yes. Making a name for yourself. And, you know, Erica, because I'm thinking of you just briefly back to all those shows that you did um, when you're a correspondent and you're just the, the epitome of eloquence and articulateness. And it's just wonderful. And this woman now, Amanda. When you, when you don't have the brown liquor. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> Let me take a sip right now. Okay. No, actually, maybe it is due to the brown liquor. Don't don't throw it out. Whatever's right. working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just thought it was just it was just really nice to. It really lent to the wonderful diversity of the inauguration, you know. And Biden was really great. I cried during his speech. Like I was. Oh God. During his speech because. I see a sweet old man who uh-huh. just yeah. wants to do the right thing. So yeah. when he flubbed, and he's had so much heartache and and, and adversity, yeah. you know, right. tragedy. I just felt like 
he was wonderful to say that whether you're with me or for me, I will always fight for you. And that's mm-hmm. such a wonderful way to be. And regarding the pandemic, you know what's an interesting observation is that we've already gone through nearly a year of this pandemic. And as yeah. serious and heinous as it is, people started forgetting about it and getting weary of it and what have you. And yes, we have our PPE equipment and we're starting to get the vaccine, but it never took priority with yeah. the last administration. No. Now with the new administration, he's called, we are now in a national emergency and the worst is yet to come. These next three months is going to be the worst of the pandemic. And I thought, God, I know we were all eager to get out of 2020, and it is blessed to be in 2021, but I always knew, like, the first half of 2021 is going to be fucking rough, too. Well, the, rioter, the rioters didn't help. Did you see anybody wearing them? Yeah. I mean, everybody was just pushed up. But, you know, Erica, I keep, Ralph, I keep reminding Ralph, because Ralph and I have been living in a California bubble, you know, you and many of my other friends have traveled. We, mm-hmm. you went back to Georgia. I've got friends that live in Florida and other places, and it's like COVID doesn't exist in certain areas. Yeah, and by doesn't exist mean meaning that oh it's there, but people are acting like oh it's just another day, just another Monday, and it's 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 interest it's interesting because of what is happening especially in places like Georgia, where I spent some time um, with my family over the summer, um, and again during Thanksgiving before Christmas, um, are, their numbers, like their, like their sheer numbers are bad, but not as bad as Californians or Southern Californians. And so there is a false equivalency to, to California, comparing California to a Georgia, where people say, oh, well, y'all have been on lockdown for a year, and look at your numbers. But what people don't factor in is that even the population of Los Angeles, Southern, I mean, of yeah. Los Angeles County, is, is bigger than most other states, including We're, Georgia, the, lar- including we're the largest the- state in the country, yeah. Right. And so I, I, I really mm, – I I get upset when people make that comparison because again in Georgia the lockdowns are basically non-existent. Um, there of course is no mask mandate really anywhere, and in the outskirts and the suburbs of the of Atlanta proper, you know people do wear their mask, but not as strictly as we. But they do they kind of do it. They do it by choice. They do it. They do it by choice, and so to hear people say, "Oh, you're from California. Oh, you guys have bad numbers, and y'all still locked down." Like, guys, like, let's factor in everything. Let's factor in the population per capita. Let's also factor in that our, I believe, our health officials are being more forthcoming about our numbers versus a, a place like Florida. So, with well, and also, I mean, also, Florida is lying, like you just said. It's a known fact right. that DeSantis is lying. He's hiding the actual numbers. But let's not also get it twisted. Trump hates California and mm-hmm. would do anything he can to not help California. Uh, how about the fact, guys, we're now finding that um, there just aren't any, the vaccines aren't there. Mm-hmm. The number of vaccines that Trump said were there, they're not there. I watched. Fauci today on uh, can you believe it we actually have real press briefings again actual real humanized cordial but to see him today I don't know if you guys saw him but 
he got to really kind of admit that he was living like a hostage with Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, he made yeah. jokes about about having to just sit, stand there next to Trump and not say anything. And um, so I don't know. I, I think we're going to be looking at there is already a vaccine shortage. Um, and I know Biden wants to do 100 million in 100 days. I, I hope that can anything can help because like in Riverside County out here, there are no vaccines. They're no, they're gone. Was, they're already used was, up. Did you read that about J and J vaccine? I I hope theirs works because that's only one shot and you don't have to have it super refrigerated. Right. Oh, yeah. They haven't gotten approved. Right. They're not. When I read the article, yet. they were still about to enter phase three of the trial. So well, so far I know like four or five people that have gotten the first vaccine. See, my concern guys is you get the first one and then there's not enough to get the second one. Like, for example, I'll give you an example. Dennis and I uh, thought we had an appointment last for, for Monday, the 18th, because I went on this website and they were going to be given them at Ralph's in Palm Springs. And because I have a vaccine, yeah, because Dennis is over 65, and I've got somewhat of a pre-existing condition, so I made us an appointment. It was we got. I thought, God, this is so easy. I can't believe I got an appointment. So we had appointments at 5:30 and 5:45, and then I just happened to be. I went to Ralph Sunday night to go shopping at that particular one. So I went up to the pharmacy window and I said, "Oh, hi, I have an appointment here tomorrow, my husband and I." And he goes. When did you make the appointment? I said, about two in the morning last night. He goes, oh, yeah, there was a big glitch in the system. He goes, we, we've been out of vaccine for two, for two weeks. Yeah. We, don't, we don't even have them. And um, he goes, that was a bad, that was a mistake on our part. We don't even have the vaccine. And so, <gasps> and then he said, well, wait a minute. How are you going to get them anyway? He goes, um, pre-existing conditions don't come in until phase C, 1C. He goes, so you can't even, you won't be able to get it anyway till after you get into 1C. He goes, your husband can get it because he's over 60, 65. But see, right there was probably thousands of people thought they had an appointment and they didn't. And it wouldn't have mattered because they didn't have the vaccine. So like a friend of ours got it yesterday in Northridge. And then she got an email today saying they're concerned that they're not going to have the second one in three weeks for her to get the second vaccine. Mm. Is, the, is the first and second vaccine the same? Um, no, there are different, there it's different. You do. And one of a Pfizer is three weeks, 21 days and the Moderna is 28 days. You have to wait. So uh, the concern okay. is how, how long can you actually wait? You know what I mean? Like how, how far past 21 days? Oh, gotcha. Can you wait? Because I know like with the shingles vaccine, if you didn't get them, the second one is basically like a booster. It's like to boost the first one. So if you miss too many days or if you go too long, you have to start all over. It's just a shit show, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. This is why, you know, once again, you know, um, 
I know we're all trying to do the right thing, but everything is so rushed. And I'm not trying to say let's luxuriate and really take it slow. Not at all. I want things to be as fast as possible. But look look at what we're even saying right now. Today is January 21st. We still haven't even reached the one year mark here in LA or in mm-hmm. the state. We started March 15th on lockdown. So we're not even in, we're not even a year and we're, we already have pl- all these various COVID testing. And now we have two vaccines that, you know, are kind of, uh, mi- mi- totally mismanaged by the administration, kind of, but it seemed yeah. to be working like your doctors had, you know, got their first dose and were doing fine. So hopefully it'll keep going that way. But then a batch of people with the Moderna one got some weird ass reaction and that they were trying to figure out, well, why did that happen? You know, and it's like you said, it's just scary. Like, okay, like you said, that's the scariest thing. It's like, oh God, I've gone, I got my first vaccine and now I've gone past the window. Now what? You know, mm-hmm. And you know, Ralph, Ralph and I are so binary, Erica. Like, if we, it, we'll be counting to that twenty, if it, if it's twenty-one days and fourteen hours, we'll just be like, you said twenty-one oh. days. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my goodness. And we'll be like, well, wait a minute. What happens if it's twenty-two days? And you know, so I think it's going to be. I, I'm just going to be optimistic that um, the new administration will be able to speed up production of the of the vaccines. I do believe after listening to Fauci today that a lot of it was just clearly, you know, op, Operation Warp Speed was pretty warped, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it didn't turn out to be what everyone thought it would be. So well, that's what I um, mean, when I said before, there's going to be a layer of civility now um, in the atmosphere, just on the planet, you know, because people that are like, as he said in his speech, that are outside of our borders, everyone is watching today that inauguration. Mm-hmm. So he probably had more viewers than I did on Desperate Housewives, but I don't like to. I, I, do, I can't imagine that, Ralph. Honestly. You know, because I, I, I had. 1 million viewers. Uh, right. Like, you know, and speaking of which, um, uh, uh, Jeopard Alex Trebek had 14 million uh, the other day for his final show, by the way. It's just, you know, and he was dead, wasn't he? Little trivia, yeah. And he, so. he had to die to get those ratings. So I right. don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> Allegedly. Is he dead? Is but, it too soon? I don't know. Oh, my God. But oh, you guys, I miss him. But you guys, I think we're going – we're in – you know, like I said, every administration has problems when they come in, but everything is going to be met with civility now. At <laughs> least Biden talks to Fauci, it'll be a pleasant conversation rather than like, you know, some dictator. You know, But, can, but guys, can you believe it truly? It's, it's – think back in history, and I, I, I'm, maybe it hasn't always happened, but in the recent history, it's always the Democrats that have to come in – and clean up the Repu- Republican. Uh, let me just again. I'm not anti-Republican, but I'm just saying it's been. You know, we could go back to coming in after Reagan, what Clinton had to deal with with Bush, mm. and then Obama coming in after the second Bush, and then mm. and then what? You know, it's always what the what the uh, the Republican parties do. They they raise the deficit goes up trillions of dollars it seems like you know things fall apart so it would be nice once in one time to just have the somebody inherit you know democrats inherited administration that was actually not completely in shambles for a change 
But well, you know, oh, you know, one thing I wanted to mention, you guys. What was nice at the inauguration is that everybody except who was at the podium was wearing a mask, and that's yeah. something <laughs> never saw with uh, with the other administration when they were in groups, you know. And it was just, you know, j- just that right there is a, a subliminal nonverbal sign of like, you know. There's the little kid now watching with their mommy and daddy going. And like you said, Erica, these are the parents that are teaching their kids. Mommy, why yeah. do people have masks on their faces? You know, Daddy, why are all those people wearing masks? You know, and now the dialogue just gets out there. It's like because it's to save our lives. Well, that's what you say. I mean, I don't care. I think he's, the blood is on his hands of all the the whole year that he did that he did not wear a mask and people you know but listen let's as we want wrap up here is a good time let's talk about um looking forward and how you guys see i for me it was so exciting to see those executive orders being yeah. signed i remember 5 years ago 4 years ago you remember trump would be sitting there like he didn't even know what he was signing right but he was so excited yeah. it was nice to see a president who actually knows what he's signing and isn't it fascinating how all this shit can be just reversed with one signature like mm-hmm. it, it just yeah. flipped, like flipping a switch you know so um i'm excited to see the change already happening um erica i'll let i'll let you go first do you are you hopeful for the new biden administration and you know what are your thoughts about going forward I am hopeful. I do think that the biggest task the Biden-Harris administration will have is proving that they can get COVID under control with a comprehensive um, vaccination rollout. And whether it's, you know, 100 days or six months or by the fall we are back to to some kind of normalcy, I think Mm. if they can tackle that effectively and successfully, that will leave uh, a favorable impression on constituents on both sides of the aisle. So I, I'm I'm hopeful for that, and I'm also hopeful for um, more stimulus money because it's it's interesting that there's so many people who vote against their own economic interests who mm-hmm. voted for Trump, but once they get that extra fourteen hundred dollars, like I hope I hope that changes their minds and I hope that makes those people hold the Lauren Boberts and the Marjorie Greens and the um Josh Hawley's to a different standard. Like if they have more money in their pocket, they better hold their elected officials to a mm-hmm. different standard. So I'm hopeful for that. Um and when I was listening to the the Jen Saki um press um briefing the first day, so yesterday on inauguration day, um, you know, I noticed that there were some reporters who, you know, talked about Trump or there were some, you know, things that they alluded to that were Trump era ish. And mm-hmm. I know that his his nasty demeanor is gonna be hanging over our country like a shadow for a, a a long time to come. But I really hope that the focus in the media moving forward and, and not just on CNNs and MSNBCs and NPRs, but even like for us, like when we are having banter yeah. about policy that we can focus less on Trump and more on the historical context of this Biden-Harris administration and also talk about policy and what we hope to see and hold them accountable and 
you know, get ready for midterms and talk about the efforts that we're making in our own communities to make sure that we're affecting change. I mean, Trump is always a hot topic. And as a, as a talking head, as someone who, you know, is a journalist but still understands that there has to be some kind of drama driving the journalism, I understand mm-hmm. the insatiable need to talk about him. But I think that we've got to let that go if we really want to try to start healing as a country. Yeah, that's going to be the the real key, I think. And like I said, I already feel that just in the last few days or since he got off Twitter, I already feel like his presence is not there. So I do believe it's going to be uh, the the media sticking to their what they said, their their pledge of not giving him air. Mm -hmm. You know, so, Ralph, how about you? Are you optimistic? Absolutely, yes. You know, who couldn't be? The, the only thing we can be is optimistic. You know, so to what everything that Erica said, I'm just laughing because I saw some meme of Kim Jong-un and he's saying, I no longer crazy world leader. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that right there, just the fact that, just the fact that, because we've got Canadian friends and a friend in London, you know, and I'm working with some Canadians, just the fact that people around the world are, are, they have a sigh of relief as well. They just are like, Oh my God. And this is what I was, I want to say in closing. I get, I get that people wanted to, to have an outsider. I get that people were tired of politicians, career politicians, and they thought that it would be nice to have someone come in. But when you, and I'm not opposed to that, but you have to vet that choice. That's like, mm-hmm. you know, just to get any, any old outsider. I mean, I've come to the conclusion that, you know, I want someone that's been on the inside that actually knows how to play the game, that knows how to work his way through situations. And I think if we've learned anything from Trump, Jesse Ventura, when he was the governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was an outsider, Clint Eastwood, when he tried to be the mayor of Carmel, Sonny Bono, when he tried to Mm. be the mayor of Palm Springs, it rarely ever works. So, you know, I mean, listen, if I'm at Cedars and I'm about to have surgery, I don't need, I don't need some guy to walk in and be like, Woo, you know, I, this is my first job and I'm going to wing it because I heard it's, you know, you get, you need a new take on it. No motherfucker. You need to get, I, you better bring in the oldest, most seasoned person to that point. Let's go out with nothing but praise for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> right. Besides, besides Amanda Gorman, I think Bernie has come off now. These memes of him that people are putting all over their Instagrams and stuff. That's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Like it's he looked funny, like he yeah. was just picking up his dry cleaning on his way to get his mail. And Oh, by the way, let me stop off at the inauguration. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Did you guys even notice him? I'll be honest with you. I didn't notice him at the inauguration at all. No, no. I didn't either. I didn't, I did not either until the memes popped up and, you know, I thought, you know, how how on brand, which nothing wrong with that, but it was very No, but brand. think about, if you think about the history of Bernie Sanders, right, two, two different primaries, you know, all the Bernie bots, I mean, he wanted to be president so bad. So in some ways, the fact that he, he kind of stole inauguration, <laughs> he's, getting his, he's getting his acclaim on inauguration day is really great. Well, listen, guys, 
Love you both so much. Erica, you know, we didn't talk about, you know, we've got great stuff happening uh, professionally. Ralph and I as well with another show. And we'll be having a – we're going to do a show coming up when we can promote all our new shows that we're doing and showbiz stuff. But um, I'm so happy to have this show just to – to bring us up to date and we'll be, you know, we'll be doing another breaking the news. I'd love to do this at least maybe bi-monthly, you know, and we yes. can stay in touch. And Biden yeah. monthly, Biden monthly. Oh, oh that's good, Ralph. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I like that. I Everyone, you, you can follow Erica. It's at Erica Renee D. And of course, uh, Ralph is at Ralph Cole Jr. On all the platforms. And, um, Thank you guys for being Thank there for 10 minutes. Thank you, Jasper. Thank you, Erica. Thank you. Thank you, and guys. Will, Thank you both. Ralph and I will be back next Thursday with an all-new live show. And until then, everyone, be safe. Much love. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Thanks for checking out One on One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.